heard, everybody. Don't drop that fast forward button. The sponsorship roll call is about to begin. Energy Consulting Limited provides complete project management and general contracting services to a variety of private sector clients on both commercial and residential construction projects. They act as the owner's representatives through the planning, design, budgeting, scheduling, construction, and occupancy processes. Clients appreciate their open, honest, and flexible approach to achieving their project goals. Although they are located in Surrey, BC, Energy works on projects all over the province, including the growing cities of the north and the beautiful coastal towns of Vancouver Island. They're always excited to explore new places and develop relationships with professionals wherever their clients' interests may be. Abacus North is a firm that specializes in mortgage banking solutions for complex projects. In addition to providing financing solutions in a traditional mortgage broker capacity, Abacus North provides direct loans that range from $2 million to $25 million. On a syndicated basis, they provide mortgage banking solutions up to $300 million. In most cases, their in-house capital solutions can bridge financing gaps that traditional lenders are unable to service. They specialize in providing land acquisition loans, construction financing for large-scale developments, income-producing properties, and single-purpose facilities. With a portfolio that includes high-rise, mid-rise, and low-rise condominiums, townhouse developments, shopping centers, agricultural properties, industrial developments, and medical marijuana facilities, Abacus North is at the forefront of creative mortgage banking solutions with a focus on fostering long-term relationships. They are a multifaceted organization that services domestic and international clients with their mortgage banking needs. Complex financing solutions require analytical thinking well beyond a typical mortgage broker relationship. As a result, they focus on providing engineered solutions for their client. Their key differentiation strategy is that they assist clients in actively managing the capital stack in order to minimize borrowing costs while maximizing flexibility. Abacus North focuses on national and global opportunities. Ascentia CPA has a team of new-gen chartered professional accountants that are dedicated to advancing companies using expertise combined with emerging technologies. The team at Ascentia will implement the latest accounting technologies, allowing you to not only run a business, but to run a smart business that will excel in your industry. Their focus is to provide growth-centric, value-added, and timely accounting services for businesses as well as individuals across Canada. Unlike standard accounting firms, by embracing cloud-based software, the team at Ascentia will provide you with real-time accounting information on a secure platform that is accessible anywhere at any time, allowing you to make better informed decisions and gain more controlled overview of your financial data. The reliability and expertise you will experience with the professionals at Ascentia will assist you in the preparation of corporate and personal tax returns, financial statements, bookkeeping, government filings, tax and estate planning, as well as business advisory services. For more information on the advantages of online accounting and to book a complimentary meeting online, be sure to visit ascentiacpa.ca. We are... Okay, so like usual, uh, Bridget and I were just in the middle of a conversation and thinking that, like, hey, we should be recording this. What we were just talking about uh, right now is kind of the feel 
in the United States right now with COVID-19 and Black Lives Matter, election years coming up, a huge divide amongst people. Um, this is something that we've been talking about up here because obviously we're in Canada, especially in Vancouver, we've kind of have a little bit of a step out of it. But obviously we like, we feel like the, um, the angst with the, the COVID-19, like this, there's a huge social divide there too, between the people who think that, you know, like the government has, they're withholding something and like the numbers, especially here in BC, like how the numbers are like so extremely low compared to like what they first initially, you know, um, projected for us. And it's kind of like, you know, our schools are open now, our parks are open, you know, like our campsite, like everything's fully back open. And the the vast majority, I think it's over 60% of people feel like the government is like has lied to us along this way, or they're not willing to admit that it's not as serious as what they originally believed. You know, now you have Black Lives Matter on top of that, which obviously we can all clearly agree that is horrific right. what happened. Um, it equally is horrific how some people have decided to handle this by like the the not so peaceful protests and the rioting that's going on. Uh, but in the United States, on top of all of that, you guys have this massive political divide between Democrats and Republicans. And like, it just like, where are you guys standing amongst all this? Like what's going on and how, how does everybody deal with all these major social issues compounding on top of each other on a daily basis? Um, there's a lot of anxiety, you know, it's hard to feel truly safe and the uh, pull to, to be on social media or to, to see what's happening on the news right now is so strong that there isn't really any space between the information and, and the person. So it's, a, it's just, there's a lot of tension, there's a lot of angst, um, there's a lot of anger and frustration and there's division over absolutely everything that's happening right now mm. even amongst you know friends and social media posting and i i'm surprised <laughs> some of the people uh some of what they're saying you know like people have known for a long time or whatever and and it's you just don't know how anybody feels right now and there are such subtleties and shades of gray to every single situation that's happening that um, you say even the slightest thing that could be well-intentioned and someone's going to take offense and respond to it. So everyone is getting like easily triggered and um, all the stuff that's happening is, you know, there's these, there are these greater like issues that are underlying them, right? Like, um, like, abuse of power and entitlement and uh, very fundamental issues, whether it's regarding, you know, the handling of COVID-19 or whether or not to call in the National Guard and how to handle what are supposed to be peaceful and allowed protests and, uh, or, or your understanding of, of what the black lives movement is like there are so many things and then the election coming up and uh, i'm kind of you know asked about being able to send in absentee ballots as well like that's never to my knowledge been that big of a question before and um so it's there's there's a problem with absolutely every single thing it feels like so we're like uh, in upstate new york here we're just moving into the first 
we've gone through phase one, now we're going into phase two of our four phase, like reopening from the quarantine. And um, that's very divided. People are very uneasy. There are all sorts of protocols that are in place. I mean, I don't know what it's like in BC right now. I'd like to hear this, like from my to do in order to bring anyone into the clinic. It's nerve wracking. It's a completely new process. And it's, um, it's, a, it's definitely a little bit jarring uh, from, from my perspective and from the perspective of the clients that are coming in, you know? So um, I don't think this is like the new norm that's going to last forever, but it's happening right now. And it's, it's like there's, there's no soft place to land right now, you know, um, outside of your own immediate environment. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's just a lot of change and, and, um, really having to face the fact that there is so much uncertainty and you don't know what's going to happen next. And, um, it doesn't look like there's like a, a light at the end of the tunnel at this point. Yeah. So, you know, and I, I've been trying to think lately you know, especially in the United States right now, like, has there ever been to like your knowledge, three such major, major social issues happening all at the same time. And especially at the beginning of like, kind of like the start of the hard thrust for um, like a political campaign, like, like, I, I can't like, usually there's one major thing. But you know, like, like people are protesting about two major social issues in this state. Right? Like you have the protests about COVID-19, you have the protests about Black Lives Matter, and then you have the typical arguing that goes between political parties and, you know, like, um, like that polarization. Like these three polarizing topics aren't subtle. Like they are very, very extreme. Like, do you see, like, like it, it seems from the outside looking in from Canada that, things have the potential to get extremely bad in the next like month or two in the United States. Like what is your opinion? Is, is that just an uneducated opinion looking at from Vancouver, BC or, or do you guys kind of feel that, um, you know, in the New York area, Andy, is that kind of your perception as well? Um, I think that there is an underlying current of that, like unrest and vibration that yeah definitely things could go downhill from here and i think we're all kind of subtly feeling that mm -hmm. um and we're all just kind of either actively participating in protests or like me personally kind of waiting on the edge of my seat waiting to see what happens and i think a lot of people are in that category um and and the the even the um election the the thing with with the last election is that the people who um, did not vote for Trump are still not emotionally over the fact that he's in office and they get re-triggered every single day. And that's that's a lot of people, right? It's not, you know, like a third of the country, it's more than half of the country. Well, it's over the majority vote because he lost right. the majority vote. So like, like arguably you just say like, it, it's at least 51% of voting Americans. So much going on. It's, it's hard to, it's, it's, and it's all happening at once, you know? And, and I think that, you know, 
it's interesting for me because I'm here and I'm feeling out what's happening like in my community and, and, you know, watching different news programs and trying to get a feel even for overseas news programs. But to have like my friend call me from the UK yesterday and she's like, are you okay? Like, it sounds like it's terrible over there. And I mean, I thought it was, it was terrible. Their past on the news there is concerning. And, and then to hear you say that as well, um, it gives me a perspective that, you know, sometimes when you're in things, you're just kind of riding the wave a little bit, but then to hear somebody's perspective from outside, it's like, yeah, this is probably even, a, it could be a little bit worse than, than what I'm even feeling. Yeah. Well, and you know, like the, the worst part about that too, is that, you know, like we only get to see obviously what the filtered media wants us to be able to see. So, you know, like it, it probably isn't as bad in the majority of places as what it seems like what we see, because right. all we get shoveled right. is the worst of everything, you know, but if, if, again, if like yeah. news outlets were willing to be able to report like both sides of the story, you know, like I don't want to have to rely on sifting through my Instagram feed to be able to see how police and protesters are marching together saying this is wrong. But when I, if you turn right. on TV, all you see is like unruly people smashing windows. It's like, well, that's not the only narrative, but like you can see how the world kind of builds this perception, you yes. know, and then like, you know, then people start posting about that. And the only thing that people repost is obviously like the negative things where like it, it is tough. Like I see the narrative being created, you know, like how people are going to be perceiving, you know, the United States in the coming months for sure. And, and it's almost kind of scary because you the feel that I get on social media is more people are having to choose like one of these three sides, if not like a couple of them, you know, because like there you, you have to land on something here because there's so many hot topics right now that are huge social divides. It's like, well, are you a coronavirus supporter? Yes or no. Are you a Trump supporter? Yes or no. Like, are you a black lives matter uh, supporter? Yes or no. Like, it's like, you have to be one of these things. And if you're not, like then that also makes you like polarized in a different category about like, well, why don't you care about one of these social issues? I think everybody cares about all of them because they all directly affect us. Yeah. And they all, they all are causing us to either reinforce or challenge our own beliefs. So I got a, a question for you. I wrote down a, a couple questions say that, that I want, um, to ask you, uh, I guess like one of them right now, kind of from like a, a TCM perspective or like from the outside looking, like what would you say the energy is in the world right now? Because it seems like the energy of the world is kind of like explosively changing. You know, it's like that, a cap, a pitta, like, you know, because we've talked about this in the past where we kind of felt where the energy was really like, but there's clearly been an energy shift from that as well. Like where would you say like you kind of feel people are, are sitting right now and then what are some of the measures that we could do to kind of counter that a little bit if we should be intervening with that energy so uh, my first thought is to go to the gunas the three gunas of the mind which are which are sattva rajas and tamas and so those are like the mental doshas or the mental um states that we can be embodying at any given time so sattva is peacefulness, calm, intelligence, clarity, focus, um, 
non-attachment to negative or positive, but simply being. It's a state of presence and awareness. Rajas is more of an angsty type state. It, rajas actually means like movement. So stuff is happening. Things are being stirred, which is a state like, oh, like digging in this club is also a state where um, there's uh, sort of like a mist or a, a, a darkness that falls over one's consciousness. And it can be something that obscure, obscures us from, from perceiving reality clearly, but it's the sort of heaviness that comes over a person when it's time to go to sleep so that they can sleep, they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Um, so given those three, I would say that right now there's a lot of rajasic energy. There's a lot of movement and momentum and things that we have of the time are emerging. And this, this movement, this agitation is very rajasic in nature. Um, and then perhaps the, um, the clinging to one's beliefs without any serious reflection on them would be more of like a tamasic type of a state. And I think for some people, um, for people that are doing regular self-practice, that are taking care of themselves, that are able to keep themselves sort of like at an arm's length, not knowing what they feel truly and believe truly about all the things that are happening, people who are understanding their own opinions without and questioning them through the lens of self-awareness may have a, more of a sattvic state that they're operating from. You know, they may be seeing things clearly as long as they're not getting too emotionally invested in what's going on around them. Um, so all three of those things can be happening. And my sense is that that sattvic energy is, is, is there. It's, that's more like the, the foundation of reality right now. There is that presence and that presence is always something that we have within us to access. However, the, the, the kind of wavelength that seems to be infiltrating our culture and our society right now is, is that of more of a rajasic, I would say, and secondarily a tamasic. So um, to answer your question, when, whenever we're in more of a, a rajasic or a tamasic state, whenever we're in more of an agitated state or one of great movement, um, there needs to be a little bit more stillness. Whenever we're in a state of inertia or ignorance or darkness, there needs to be more movement. And in order to do that, focusing on that sattvic nature of consciousness and awareness that is present is to start. Bringing oneself as an individual back to oneself is a good place to start um, with helping to bend that whole thing out. because. Um, First of all, you're going to be projecting a different vibe into the into the atmosphere around you, and enters into you know pretty much this this web that we all are connected to. So, so in that sense, 
each individual who is able to tap into that more sattvic nature of mind is going to be seeing things more clearly. They're not going to be getting caught up in the emotional state of anger or fear when they're looking at these issues and when they're talking to other people. Um, they won't be just kind of uh, reacting to that person's anger or fear but instead be able to keep themselves more calm, both for themselves, for their families, and maybe even to calm that person a bit as well with some insight they may have to offer, or even just with their presence. So, um, so that would be my advice is to move more into like our, the self-cultivation that some of us have already realized needs to be addressed as a, as a side effect of, of having to literally go within, to stay within, you know. Um, most of us, many of us at least, couldn't really get away from ourselves because of the situation that we were physically in. So I think that that, although it was uncomfortable, helped a lot of people to flower in some ways or to realize, you know, what it is they really love about life or what they're passionate about or or how they may need to change the things that they're doing in there. And that's also the process is often very difficult. And so then on the social level, I, I, I hope that that's also what's happening. I mean, theoretically it makes sense that that's also what's happening. Like this, it's this trauma that's been embedded in humanity forever is given, it's coming up to the surface. It's being given a chance to be acknowledged and transformed. And it's what the masses do with that that's going to reflect like what happens um, down the road. Yeah, and it really seems like that this, you know, like every time things get a little bit more explosive or, or the potential for like mass kind of civil unrest, whether peaceful or not peaceful, it keeps building. Like it definitely seems like we as a culture, we as a society, we as a planet, like we're getting these little kind of wake up calls every once in a while. And it, and it comes to the age old questions, like, when are we going to listen? And, you know, even especially from like, from like a, a nature perspective, you know, like seeing like the air quality of all these places changing, you know, like wildlife coming back, you know, like oceans and rivers and streams and lakes, you know, like clearing up, like, like all of these, you know, different components of that, but then also realizing like, with inside of ourselves that we do have some, you know, major social issues left still that, that aren't completely like, I don't know, like we have a, a lot of growing to do socially amongst ourselves too. And like, like I said, I can always come back to like, this is probably the, the worst time that we've ever really seen where there's so many polarizing, you know, um, subject matter, you know, but when do we just take a step back and look at and say, okay, well, because we have these three major issues going on, what are we willing to do to help course correct some of these? Because how much longer can we keep living in these kind of environments where there's, there's such potential to be major, major civil unrest, like probably something that we've never really seen in North America before. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I, another question that I, that I had to kind of relatively um, coincides with this is the amount of like potential stagnation that is sitting in, you know, like, pent up feelings, you know, like trapped emotions, you know, because so many people have been stuck inside. A lot of people haven't been moving. You know, a lot of people are off like, you know, like their, you know, regular like supplement protocols or nutrition protocols or, you know, like fitness protocols, like all of these things. And they're completely changed. 
what is, is there a stagnation that manifests in the body because of that, and if there Absolutely. is, like, what are some of the things that, that can be done to help start to reverse that stagnation that is now accumulated in the body over these last two or three months? Well, sometimes that rajasic energy, that aggravated, agitated energy that can happen, and that is happening right now, like systemically as a whole of society, that is oftentimes a result of a stagnation in the body. It's often a result of the buildup of that energy and it needs to go somewhere. So now is a really good time for people to start like going for walks again, even if the gym's not open, at least get outside, get moving, take deep breaths. You can feel when you're stagnant. If you're starting to get irritable really easily, short with your family members, if you're feeling more reactive, even if you're not feeling the stagnation physically in your body, you can observe it in your own reactions and your own behavior. So paying mind to that and then realizing and recognizing that there may be that stagnation there and you may need to take some really like big deep breaths, 10 deep big deep breaths, or you may need to go outside and take a walk or do some jumping jacks or whatever it is, or like just do some free dancing and movement or shake or whatever you need to do is to, you got to get that energy moving. When that energy stagnates inside your body, it um, creates a lot of, of problems. It can create a lot of pain it can affect digestion and sleep and memory and mood and the immune system. So, so making sure that one is getting some form of movement and doing the best that you can with it. Like if your form of movement is usually in, involving a swimming pool and that's not open right now, then there needs to be something else that you do, even though it's not that it's going to be, the next best thing and it's going to have to be good enough right because it's doing some and it feeds into this creates more stagnation so, uh getting movement physically get fresh air and breathing really simple things like that um and and as far as like getting off of supplement regimes go so if that's also happened then picking one thing that you're going to start being consistent with again having a time of day that you do it and, and take that thing at that time or do that practice at that time. Now, since you kind of specifically were talking a little bit about like breathing and deep breathing, getting outside into fresh air. Um, now, I've only recently just kind of heard about this. So I, I might kind of be throwing you under the bus a little bit here. And if I am, I, I don't mean to. Um, but have you heard of any, uh, like a situation about like, right nostril breathing and left nostril breathing in regards to stimulating like the side of the brain either like breathing only through the right nostril stimulates the left side of the brain only or the right side of the brain and then yeah. you can tap like can, if you're knowledgeable of that can you talk about it i find it to be because i just kind of got introduced that concept uh, yesterday and i was like oh. and it was in regards to a study that um this woman with schizophrenia um they found that she was just over uh she would she was breathing through the side or her nostril that would stimulate um, the right side of her brain, I believe like the creative side. And that was actually causing like her schizophrenic episodes. And when they did, when they unblocked the blockage, like I think it's like 60 to 80% of her schizophrenic episodes went away. Oh, yeah. um, 
you know, because then she had a lot more open, uh, like airways. Do you know anything about this? Like it, it yeah, it's part of Swara. It's called Swara yoga. Oh, okay. And it's uh, S W A R A. And there's a really, really good book. It's, um, it's called Swara yoga. So I would recommend that it's part of Kundalini yoga and it's part of Taoist practices. So I'm going to go over it from the Indian perspective because that's the one I'm the most well-versed in. Um, but I can refer to it in terms of yin and yang also. So in the, in the yogic tradition, which yoga is really about the subtle workings of the body that are, are more conceptual until you do the practices that allow you to experience them. Um, some may, people may have experiences and insights um, and visions of these things without doing the practices, but for the most part, people need to be doing to be able to experience what the ancients were talking about because it sounds very symbolic and sort of um, intangible. Um, but one of the things is that there are two channels that run up the sides of the spine, and one of the channels is correlates to the right nostril. And there's a crisscross in the head. So when you're when you're stimulating the right side, the right nostril is more open. That means that you're more active in your left brain at that time. The more the brain the side of the brain that's more associated with reasoning. This is a generalization, of course. And then there's the left nostril, which corresponds to um, the other channel in the body. And that activates or inactivates the right side of the brain, so more creative. So the more active, the more reason-oriented that side of the brain, that left side, is considered to be more young or more masculine. So masculine is really about, um, it's more about heat in the body it's more about light it's more about um mental things and then the right side of the body or i'm sorry the right side of the brain is correlated with more feminine energy and by feminine it means more going within more creativity um and like a, a shadowy energy not in a bad way these things are not good and bad they are both necessary and there are light sides to both and dark sides to both or good or bad sides to both as we perceive them but in, in a, on a whole as a holistic being all of these aspects of us are important and being able to balance them is also important so if you take a moment right now and you focus on your breath, you're going to notice that one side of your nose is more open than the other. One nostril is breathing the air more fully than the other. For some of you, you might notice that it feels very equal. If you're having difficulty feeling this, then close one side with one of your fingers and breathe through the opposite side a couple times and then close the other side and breathe through that one a couple times and see which one felt a little more constricted or a little bit more closed up. Um, if they both feel equal, there's nothing wrong with that. What happens is that 
the body has all these rhythms and the um, infradian rhythm is one that happens every um, 45 minutes to an hour and a half. And that's the one that's associated with which nostril is going to be more open. And then when that is shifting to the other side, you'll get more of an equal sensation through both nostrils. So what this means from a yogic standpoint is that if you're breathing more through your left side of your nose, then you're in more of a right brain state. Right brain is more rest and digest. It's a good time to do things that are low key. Meditation, eating, sleeping, painting, creative pursuits. It's not the time to balance your checkbook or go to the grocery store, right? So then if you're breathing more through your left nostril, uh, uh, your your right nostril, then the left side of your brain is more active. That's the time to do some more hardcore physical exercise to analytically think. If you're breathing through both at the same time, it's more of a balanced state and it doesn't last very long usually. So in the healing traditions, we say that if you find yourself breathing, especially if you're somebody that does not have a deviated septum, if you find yourself breathing through one side more, more than the other side, for a few hours and then maybe a couple of days, that's telling you that you're probably gonna come down with something. Oh, and cool. so you should do things to take care of yourself better in order to prevent that from happening. If you're, go ahead. I was just gonna say, would that mean that you're kind of overtaxing yourself in that area? Like you're saying like if you were more left brain stimulated you know if you're like being overworked and you weren't finding that balance in your life i guess kind of like the the work-life balance category could can that shift it or or is it things outside of just what we're focused on because like you know it's like i got these deadlines at work okay i got these couple 14 hour days back back like you're kind of training yourself down that that left brain avenue so you think that from a physiological standpoint that the body might start breathing out of the right nostril more that also could be then the warning sign saying your your bot your life is out of flux and your body's now becoming out of flux because you are coming you know you are traveling just down this one path you know too much too much work you know too much like um, you know interrogation of life you know we need to balance this back out with some some play and some downtime some painting some reading some journaling some time in nature those kind of things um, is that a valid uh, theory to be able to draw or am I kind of <laughs> It could be, but then the other thing is you could be breathing more through the left nostril because your body's trying to cool itself down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so it, uh, it depends, right? Yeah, but yeah the, it's trying to, trying to counter the, what, the everything that we're doing. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's interesting. So, uh, but yeah, go on because I find this to be absolutely fascinating just because like, I don't know why I haven't stumbled across this yet, but I guess it's just obviously – you know, in these situations, there's, there's millions of different great topics to be able to explore. But I found the reason why this interests me so much, because I, I, I was thinking, I'm like, before I play sports, you know, like, could I sit there and shift this energy in myself? So for like, you know, 20, 30 minutes before I play squash, you know, if I really focused on like, you know, breathing through one side, um, like my right nostril more, my left nostril, more, like what would benefit me playing sports? Like, yeah, you you'd want to. Uh, sorry, you were freezing up a little bit there. Yeah. Um, you would want to. Uh, you may not even need to do it for twenty or thirty minutes. Yeah. You may only need to do it for a couple right now before you do that. Oh. And that's a lot of what Nadi Shadana or alternate nostril breathing is about. 
Um, it's about balancing out those naughties, those channels, um, and, and creating a more, because like a, a, a serious meditator wants to have like Shushumna Nadi opener, that cent central channel, which, all right, it just, it hasn't done that before. So a uh, serious meditator, internal martial artist is going to want to be breathing through both nostrils because that's when the brain enters a state of awareness that, or the mind that allows us to connect with our more transcendent awareness. So um, when we're in one side or another, then there's duality. So, um, so before exercising, yes, you'd want to be more on the right side. And so Nadi, or I'm sorry, Swara Yoga is about honoring that natural fluctuation, that natural rhythm, getting to know your natural rhythm and operating within that natural rhythm to create the most harmony in one's day. And then the flip side of that is shifting the rhythm to be in more harmony with the activity that you're about to engage in. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, there's, there's a, uh, actually erectile tissue inside of the, na the nasal cavity, the sinuses. And on that same sequence as that rhythm of when you're feeling the most air moving through one side or the other, that means that the erectile tissue on the side that feels more closed is becoming more engorged with blood. So there's actually a swelling up that happens in that side and then it changes. Um, and part of Swara Yoga also is to do regular breathing practices. The, the way that this erectile tissue is shaped inside, it creates different patterns that the air flow makes as it goes through the head and hits like the top of the, the base of the brain. The limbic system, which is partially responsible for regulating our mood um, and stimulating fight or flight or not. And so Swara yogis are attempting to actually change the internal terrain of, of this erectile tissue so that the air swirls in such a way that it creates more of a sattvic state of mind. Wow. That's incredible. Like I just, I it's such a fascinating like, like topic to explore because I believe they also have like, there's like a, a correlation side to side of whether you're engaging your sympathetic nervous system and your parasympathetic nervous system. Um, and you can stimulate either one of those depending on like what's what nostril you're breathing through as well. Um, I, I, I just find it to be because the reason why I, I find this not to like be so important, but also so alarming is because you, you start to see like a lot of people mouth breathing. What I feel is a lot to do with like a sedentary lifestyle. I, I've noticed that the more sedentary the people I work with, the more that they're mouth breathers. I know whether it's because like their their muscles and their diaphragm just aren't um, being properly engaged, and they just don't have the strength to be able to properly breathe through their nose or breathe like deep enough. But um, I don't know if that's something that you've ever noticed that, that the more sedentary people are, the more that they're breathing through their mouth or not. Um, but if they are breathing through their mouth, I also know that mouth breathers, um, from what I understand now, are are apt to age at a dramatically higher rate because there's not the oxygen flow going into their body. So they actually see like a, like a, a from a physical standpoint, the aging process is heavily exacerbated. Um, have you noticed anything like that? Or, or again, is this just like stuff I'm wildly kind of throwing out there that doesn't make a whole lot of sense? There, it's important to breathe in and out through your nose if you can, because when you breathe, think about the internal environment of the lungs. 
it's it's hot and it's moist in there and we've got all these cilia all these hairs lining um on the way in to help trap particles that come that are coming in and just from that breathe in and out through your nose and then from the standpoint of the internal environment of the lungs you want to be breathing in warm moist air and it's going to warm and humidify the air more that hits your bronchial tubes and your trachea if you're breathing in through your nose and the the air is is get there's a lot of friction from the air across these turbinates or this this erectile tissue i talked about so that heats things up it's in your body longer from your nose down into your throat and it's humidifying with the nasal mucosa it's humidifying the air that's coming in so it's filtering warming humidifying on the way out you're exhaling hot humid air so then you breathe back out through your nostrils not your mouth and by breathing back out through your nostrils you're rewarming and rehumidifying the nasal mucosa so if you're breathing like a lot of people think that they should be breathing in through their nose and out through their mouth this is a breathing practice it, that's valuable in certain contexts, but for your average run-of-the-mill breathing, we want to be breathing in and out through the nose. And then people that are sedentary, I think something that happens is that their, their diaphragm gets um, underused um, just because of their body position, really. And the shoulders start to come forward and the back starts to round and it enables more shallow breathing. And when you shallow breathe, it's more natural for you to want to open your mouth um, because you're using secondary breathing muscles instead of the primary breathing muscle of the diaphragm to create the breathing action. And by using secondary breathing muscles, you're actually over time tensing and straining all the muscles around your neck upper back shoulders jaw chest and that sort of contributes to that immobilization of the diaphragm when you're sitting still sitting sedentary and then that may in turn contribute to the body needing to get more air in more quickly like when you exercise really heavily you got to breathe in and out through your mouth but if that's because you need to get more air in more quickly to get more oxygen then chances are you're not using your diaphragm well, so you're not fully oxygenating the bottom of the lungs that has the most capillaries in it and the most blood flow and exchange. So you're, you're utilizing more upper body breathing and that, that would, it's like a catch 22. And yeah. then you're breathing in through your mouth and then you're breathing more shallow and it's just, um, the breath is just as important as the diet in my estimation. And that's it, also very, for people to work with because so many of our emotional holding patterns are tied into how we breathe and how we breathe is helping to manage the the is helping to maintain those holding patterns and so by changing how we breathe it's changing our awareness but it also helps to dislodge and and bring to the surface residual feelings that may have been stuffed in the body and different tissues that are now being more oxygenated and are able to be cleared out of the tissue. Um, and we may not always know what these feelings are related to, but they do surface, you know, and, and they need to be breathed out um, from an Eastern standpoint, meaning grief can affect our 
breathing patterns, but also our immune system, because there's a huge tie between um, the breath and, and the immune system. There's a huge tie between the respiratory system and the digestive system and how well the digestive tract is working can have a, a good or a bad effect on what's happening with how we're breathing. So, um, so all of these things are all very tied to the breath and the breath is considered the bridge between the mind and the body. And the breath is con considered to be the bridge between the life force energy. How the breath is moving is like a pump for how the chi or the prana moves through the body and how that moves affects our moods and how our, what, which one of those three categories of mental fluctuations we fit into on a regular basis. Everybody can feel rajasic, everybody can feel tamasic, but our, our main go-to I lost you just on that last little explanation there. Just like cover that last little topic uh, again one more time. So the mind and the body are the bridge between the mind and the body is the breath. The bridge between the body and the prana or the life force energy, the chi the or the vitality is the breath. And the breath is responsible for regulating the nervous system as well um, because the prana is intimately tied to the nervous system and how it functions, whether, in, whether we're in fight or flight or whether we're in rest and digest. So um, we all enter into all of the three states of, of mental fluctuations, sattvic, it's it's normal to come in we need that rajasic energy to get things done we need that tamasic energy to settle but ideally that sattvic state is where we should be most often and if we're shallow um sedentary mouth breathers the chances that 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 we are really in that sattvic state are very very slim um that's probably not the case so so it's very important to focus on the breath because even if it's not what we think it should be, even giving it attention enough to notice what it is doing, whether we feel as though it's working like we want it to or not, helps to shift the, the dynamic. It helps to bring the breath into more of a healthy state. So my question to that is like the, it seems like we obviously know that over the course of all these years, arguably for however long you want to identify that with, that our body has fine-tuned itself to this point, like our, our biological being. Like, it almost seems like our lungs should be flipped upside down, you know, where like if you were mouth breathing, then you'd have the opportunity to be able to take in the, the most oxygen from those like short, shallow breaths instead of it being the opposite or do you think it's just a sign now that we are living so far out of how we should be leaving or living because like a major part of us in taking enough oxygen, which obviously is critical to our body. Like we need to be able to be nose breathing, not mouth breathing. A, a direct correlation with mouth breathing is this sedentary lifestyle, you know, which we probably haven't lived this sedentary really ever in our existence. Like, again, is this another one of those like subtle signs that the earth is giving us when we pay attention to them and saying like, we need some kind of change. We can't be sitting 
10, 12, 14, 16 hours a day. Like there needs to be movement. We need to be focusing on breathing deep through our nose. We need to be pulling that air down to the bottom of our lungs. We need to be able to take breaths down through our body um, because it is so critical. It's just getting enough oxygen, you know, into us so that all of these um, physiological responses that are going to happen from that oxygen can take place because it isn't 80% of our oxygen intake uh, in our body directly for our brain. It's something very high like that. That's um, a high, it's a high factor. Yeah. You know, and if we're just breathing through our mouth and not even utilizing the capacity of our lungs, it, you can logically draw the conclusion that we're probably not utilizing our brain to the capacity that what we should, but the demand on our resources cognitively is probably the highest it's ever been as well with the overstimulation. So you can kind of see how like these two environments are, are fighting each other and creating like this, this flux inside of us as well. Yeah. 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 More important to be able to, to get outside. Right. So um, speaking about getting outside it, and obviously vitamin D right now is, is a pretty hot topic. Um, you know, vitamin D obviously with, with COVID-19 and, you know, like, especially here in Vancouver, um, you know, like we go through periods of, um, you know, people getting the seasonal effectiveness disorder through the, the winter months and um, not having enough like vitamin D stores in us, you know, and then all of a sudden COVID-19 hits where invite people's vitamin D stores are probably the lowest. And we realized that if the vitamin D stores were higher, people would probably have a lot better chance of fighting off like major symptoms of COVID-19. Um, what's your take on that? And then like, what's your take right now, what you've kind of heard because I know you really have your ear to the street, not only what's going on here, but also, you know, you have resources in China when it comes to traditional Chinese medicine. What, what are some of the other things besides vitamin D that we could be taking to really stack the cards in our favor, not only from a COVID-19 perspective, but from a, just an immune system and where we're kind of citrally at right now um, here in North America, well, arguably around the world. So... The main thing with COVID-19 specifically, and, and for many other diseases, is that we want to make the body not so much a habitable environment. And so um, with COVID-19, dampness inside the body or AMA or toxicities or buildup of byproducts of cellular metabolism or environmental toxins, um, or of the toxins associated with mental emotional holding patterns, all of those things contribute to sort of blockages in the body and, and they create um, areas where pathogens can stick and hang out and hide. So what we want to do is it's, you know, it's not so much one thing that we can take. Um, yes, Qingfei Paiduan has been used for COVID treatment in China. But overall, I would say from a Chinese medicine, from Ayurvedic medicine perspective, the most important thing to do is to look at one's lifestyle and one, one's breathing, um, trying to eat as locally, as seasonally, and as fresh as possible, and looking at one's management of stress, looking at one's workload and lifestyle in that respect, um, really, it's not, there's not an easy answer. So like, yes, we can take vitamin D. If we're low on vitamin D, obviously we want to take vitamin D. But it, it's not like 
taking one thing right now is going to like change the world for most people. It's more like honestly looking at one's lifestyle and make in living in accordance to one's one's what one's body is trying to tell them and what the cycles of nature are doing. That is the most important thing to be doing because it sets the stage not just for better health now in this moment, but for the winter months when flu season comes back around, whether COVID, you know, gets exacerbated or lingers or peters out. It sets a stage for one's quality of life long term. So as far as supplements go, right now, um, what I'm recommending to people if they want to take something is yes, vitamin D, vitamin C, zinc, a B complex is good because there's so much stress stuff going on right now. Um, and quercetin, uh, one of the things that's recommended also for um, specifically for COVID-19 prevention and helping to ameliorate the severity of the disease if one does contract it. Um, but above and beyond to be, to be exercise. There needs to be happiness. There needs to be deep breaths. There needs to be movement. There needs to be nourishment, whether it's food or activities. These are the things that are going to heal us over the long run, not a couple of supplements here and there, yeah. you know? Um, and I would even like say like, if I had to label one thing that like I, I see that people are lacking the most, that seem just most paired. Like, I don't know what it's like there, but people here really talk about missing that physical connection with people. Like it's really running people down. And it's such like, if, if you, if you need vitamin D, you can walk outside or you can go, you know, do some sublingual drops. Like, you know, like there's like, there's these things, but like, like what's the fix? Like it's again, like we, we haven't really been here in this landscape before if you're craving somebody to hold and to be with in any room and you're just like hugging people, shaking hands, all these kind of things. And all of a sudden that's just gone one day and that's what you want. And like that you have linking that to like your happiness, your emotional well-being, like your physical well-being. Like, like what do you think are some of the things we can do? Like, because people ask me all the time and it, it, it's hard because there, there is nothing like there, there's, unless if you have a pet, and but it's still not the same but at least it's a bridge between those but like it, it's such a hard question to try to answer when you can tell like people are just really emotionally missing physical touch you know i would a couple of the things i would say are to take baths to take your shoes off and go out in the dirt in the sun and just sit with your feet on the ground or in the dirt and sit on the ground you can some people have been hugging trees. That that's helps. Uh, it's, again, it's obviously not the same thing. Um, and I like um, weighted things. So like those those packs that you can get that have the kernels in them, um, or flax or whatever. You know those things. You can pile those. You can lie down and pile those on yourself. You can put them on your thighs, on your low belly, on your mid belly, on your chest, across the top of your chest and shoulders. Those are very comforting. You could get a weighted blanket 
and use that in bed at night or if you just need a moment where you know you can wrap up in something that's that's weighted because part of it is of course it's more than we can even say you know to to have contact with someone else we care about but just that sensation of touch and the pressing it does it it has a lot of um sensorily it it stimulates very you know good things in the brain so having that that weightedness that pressure you can get those things that are weighted that you can stick in the microwave or whatever and and put those on on especially like your belly because it's very comforting um, I would do that. I think that's very important. If you're somebody who is interested at all in energy healing, I would look at um, even some YouTube tutorials on um, hands-on healing or Reiki healing where you can just be guided through a meditation, even if you're not attuned or haven't taken a class, where you're, pr you're putting your hands on different parts of your body and leaving them there and listening and breathing things to make contact with yourself like that that but there's something else that maybe we were missing before that can be integrated that can certainly help in this in this time before you know we transition fully back into being able to be close to one another again mm -hmm. and then of course doing distant you know get-togethers with with close friends or family or something like that. Yeah, it, it's funny because I said to uh, a few people the other day when doing these kind of like uh, like social distance gatherings or, you know, you see people in a park where there's a bunch of lawn chairs around and, you know, it's almost taking like an alcoholic into a liquor store and telling them not to drink. You know, or it's just like you, you want to be around, but like you're kind of taunting yourself with these other human beings. But like, like at least, like I said, being around like the energy of other people who are craving to be around you too like obviously that's going to kind of be like that that energetic hug that you may not be feeling um right. another thing that i've uh, i've come across too is those those heated uh, those like electric heated weighted blankets um yeah. you know it's like they're a heavy blanket you plug it in it's nice and warm you know things yeah. like that and stuff um i i've kind of come across a, a few ideas like that um as yeah. well and i've noticed for me sitting in the hot tub is definitely uh being in the hot tub versus the sauna I feel like right now is uh, is a lot more beneficial just because like obviously it just feels like you're encased in this something that like cares for you um, and sitting by fires, you know, like whether it be like in the back country or, you know, sitting by a fire by a fireplace inside um, just around that energy that that life and it has like that warmth and the heat behind it. Um, and that energy to it, like a few of those things have, have definitely helped me for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you're, if you don't have the hot tub, if you can get in the bathtub, if you have, a, if you have a tub, getting some Epsom salts or mineral salts or something to, because that's another, like, that's very earthy. Like we want that earth. We want that holding. We want that nurturing and nourishment. And so that is something else that our body is aware of if it's in the bath water. If you don't have that, that's fine too. But if you do, that's even more of like a tangible thing that the body feels the touch of and, and it absorbs the skin. Absorbs. Yeah. And even uh, I, I, I caught the last part there for froze up. But I was thinking as you were talking, I'm like, you know, even like a, a warm mud bath, I don't know your thoughts on, on mud baths or your opinion yeah. on it, but like just cause like that heaviness of the mud, the earthiness of the mud, the, the warmth of it, cause it's warmed up. Right. Um, like that would be an incredible experience this time too, if people were really missing 
um, that, that emotional connection and just maybe a way to be able to help, help bridge that in the body. Um, I got a, a, another a question. It kind of correlates. So I'm kind of like flowing through this. I, I don't want it to seem like too scripted, but I, I want to make sure that we have a chance to be able to talk about these things. What, what is your opinion on all these doctors really starting to speak out against what the, the mainstream media um, perspective is on COVID-19? You know, you have a lot of doctors talking about um, like metabolic dysfunction. Now a lot of doctors talking about, you know, vitamin D stores, a lot of doctors criticizing the numbers that have come out. Um, there's just, there seems to be a vastly growing movement of, of doctors coming forth and saying that they disagree um, with the narrative. Um, you know, even when it comes to ventilators, a lot of doctors starting to speak out against ventilators um, and their usefulness with, with COVID-19. Um, you know, like, like, like what's, what's your perspective on that? Do you think it helps or do you think it hinders? Uh, I think it helps us all feel more confused. <laughs> Absolutely. They're right. Good that they're able to, that they're getting the platform to speak from. Um, we just, the problem is this, we want answers and we don't have them. And it's making us very uneasy. And we don't know if there's immunity. We don't know if there are enough antibodies, what quality of antibodies, what kind, if there are enough of them, how long they last. We don't know any of that. And so any, I think, I think it's just the same as, as everything else. Like everything is just bombarding us and um, we don't know what to believe. And we're trying to trust this. Uh, some of us are trying to follow the science and, and now the, the science is even saying multiple things. So it just adds to the whole air of confusion. And I think a lot of people are just kind of throwing their hands up in the air and saying, well, if you're going to get it, you're going to get it, you know, because they pretty much had it. It's like, I think it's it, it, the, the thing that I thought of, it's like when you watch movies where people are in uh, like a shipwreck or something and they're, and they're in the, the dinghy or they all know drink open water, but sometimes there's always this, the one person who ends up like drinking the water and getting sick. And it's like, it's like that right now. I think it's like everybody is in the life raft and, and totally, you know, is not sure what to do about anything. And we're all getting ready to drink the ocean water. Uh, and, and so when you have these, then you have some doctors saying, well, a little bit of that might not be so bad or, you know, whatever it is, it's not an exact. I, if there's, you know, if there's science behind what they're saying, then, then perhaps it needs to be considered. Um, a while back, I think last, last month when we talked, there was a doctor that I had seen who was saying that, um, the patients that he saw that were in more serious c condition looked to him more like uh, uh, altitude sickness patients than they did pneumonia patients. And so then, you know, that brings into question the whole ventilator thing too, and that the ventilator may actually not be the right route. And now there's a lot of information about the blood clot and the pneumonia symptoms. Um, so again, we just really don't know enough about it. And I think having as many ideas out there as we do can be helpful in this in the sense that it, 
it gives us different directions like they're brainstorming right it gives us different directions to to or different ways to look at this but um but at the same time for i think the general public it's very disconcerting because we really don't know what is true and what isn't about it and we don't know what to believe yeah i got i got a question for you because i pose this question to almost everybody that i i come across um and i'm going to use a really bad analogy but it's something that a lot of people can i i feel like can associate with so say with like covid19 for example how we we focus on the number of cases um, or like the the number of people tested you know like some of these numbers that have the potential to be quite high but don't necessarily mean something right uh, and just bear with me so i i say it's a lot like we have a bunch of cars on the road but everybody needs to get gas but if we reported on how many people got gas every day you'd be like wow tons of people got gas when we're really trying to figure out how many people were running out of gas but if you be to report on how many people stopped to get gas doesn't really give us the clear picture how many people were running out of gas so like when we talk about how many people known in my yeah and so like when we talk about the people like well this many people tested positive well you know i know like in bc and this is this is a a, a hypothetical number i'm just saying it's this distorted well for like every hundred people like test positive there's one person that may be hospitalized and that person is going to typically be like six, 55, 60 plus, you know? So, but when we only focus on how many people got tested or how many people tested positive, but they're not really necessarily being a, a negative value associated with that figure. Is it responsible socially to say, well, 10,000 people got tested positive or is it more socially responsible to say, well, you know, a hundred people got hospitalized and two people died or two people passed away. Like the mortality rate just being very low. Like, like what, what do you feel in your opinion is the socially responsible number that we should be focused on when it comes to mainstream publication of, we should focus on this number. Probably the number of people in the hospital who came out of the hospital that day. Um, and the number of people who died, that goes without saying, but it, it, it doesn't make any sense to me to say this many people got tested because who's getting tested? People who are scared, people who are really sick. It's not like they've gone into town and, and taken the population of entire town and tested the entire town. It's, 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 um, it's based on, and then there's the inaccuracies with the test results on top of it. So it really doesn't mean much to me when they say they've tested 10,000 people and, you know, only a thousand people tested positive. Okay. Well, of those 10,000 people, how many of them were actually sick? How many of them had actually come into contact with someone that was positive and how many of them were just, um, just wanted to get a test, right? Um, and, you know, not only that, some of the tests are really, really, really inaccurate. And these people are getting tested once and then finding out that they don't have it, but there may be like a 
percent chance that they they have it. And so it's just the, the whole testing thing is. I think it actually is a little bit like Lyme in the sense that they need to not go by the test so much. They need to go by the presentation and the evidence in like the CAT scan or whatever it is of the lungs and the, whether people are on oxygen or need a ventilator or whatever it is, stuff that they think it is, but not rule out the fact that it could very likely be that COVID because it is so highly contagious, right? So yeah, I agree with you. I don't think that those numbers about, it's, I, I, all along that's been just ridiculous to me because it's so random, right? And, and in, other, in, in some states, they're not really testing that many people. Um, and in, in some places, even people that are in the hospital aren't getting tested. So, and then this is kind of like, like a bridge question. I don't want to be at another one of the people that kind of. For COVID-19. So it's, it's, yeah, it's not an accurate. And that, and that, again, that leads into everyone's um, sort of uncertainty about what's happening. And then that makes you question things more. Right. And so then it makes you wonder, like, is there, you know, is the government mishandling this? Is it being misrepresented? Um, what's actually happening here? And and so and so we have the state of affairs that we're currently in. <laughs> yeah. Because like this is you know like and I don't want to be another person who says that or tries to draw the reference that COVID nineteen is like the common cold, like a flu. When I say this, I say this as in. If you said to people, we're going to test everybody in Canada or the United States for the seasonal flu, it would be alarming because you'd be testing a lot of people. Then when you got the test results back of how many people tested positive, you dig your own grave, like every fall, like you, like they're like the amount of people who would test positive for an influenza strain or like the common cold, anything in the fall, that number would be astronomically large and so alarming like you could shut down the planet based on that which would be higher than this number but yet we want to take those numbers with COVID-19 like because I know when I hear people talk that they think test results equate to negative outcomes or like just getting tested period means that you're gonna have a negative side effect or that you may potentially die from COVID-19 except for that this is just simply like a, a test like you know like what you alluded to this is just somebody who's gone in and had a test performed but it doesn't mean that you have it it, it could mean that you're asymptomatic like the CDC of BC um, tweeted about a month ago the best thing to do if you're experiencing signs of COVID-19 is stay at home drink plenty of fluids and get some rest well how many people have been told that when they've gone to the doctor for the last however many decades you've been on this planet for and that's the same advice that they're tweeting out to give everybody um in bc so you know i guess it, it just kind of comes back to I, I wanted to ask you that question just to see you know like if you've had any kind of shift in in mentality or any shift of the way that that you look at COVID 19 or like um what the information is like you know in new york in that area because new york's been so bad uh, well, New York City, I guess, has been so bad for um, COVID-19 cases and just seeing that if the narrative has been changing for all of us, because I know it has here, you know, in Western Canada and just talking to like other, you know, Canadians that 
there's a lot of people who are starting to kind of see and analyze these numbers for themselves and saying like, hold on, like, wait a minute, this, this actually is not as bad is what you're still trying to make it out today. And there's a lot of, a lot of divide that's starting to happen, you know, like with people trusting what information our government wants us um, to be able to quote unquote have and not to have. Right. So um, yeah, very, very interesting. So um, I, I, that brings me back into something we kind of talked about at the beginning. I really wanted to talk about your practice because I know the last time that we talked, um, you know, you're kind of worried about like what the protocols were, were going to be, or, you know, like the impacts like financially or just, you know, like patients coming in. Um, can, can you go over it a little bit? Like, what is it like going, are you going to the office every day? Are you there one day a week? Are you there two days a week? What's it like right now? Okay. Got me. <laughs> so it, I, I started back yesterday and, um, I'm only seeing two or three people a day and I'm not doing every day of the week because it's a whole shift now again, right? It's a whole shift into, I mean, we're not supposed to be near anybody.